We are in the beginning stages of our, our study of the renovation of our hearts. The idea that um, with heart transformation comes real life transformation. And we're using, uh, we're using a couple of books as our, as our source, our references uh, during this study. One is called The Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. The other is called U-Turns by uh, Tony, Pastor Tony Evans. But in Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, which is his classic work, he says this, he says, As a disciple of Jesus, I am learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. I am not necessarily learning to do everything he did, but I'm learning how to do everything I do in, a, in the manner that he did all that he did. Um, part of the renovation of the heart, in a way, is turning over the keys for the renovation. Lisa's kind of uh, trained me over the years to watch these HGTV renovation shows. And one of the things that many of the shows do is that the owners turn the renovation of their house over to designers and they give them, uh, you know, the keys. And then uh, when, it's, when it's over, they come back and they see the, the progress that has been made. In a way, what we're doing is we're giving the keys of our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to do more than just redecorate, to renew, to refresh, to restore. So part of what we're saying then is it's not just living for Christ as best you can, but what would it look like if you live like Christ? If Jesus were living your life what would it look like? And if we can't see in our mind's eye, if you can't see in your kind of inner vision what that would look like to live into our new identity, free from the power of sin and death, how can we ever hope to really become like Christ? If we can't see, in a sense, what would it look like to live without fear? What would it look, what would it look like to live without using anger as our power source? What would it look like to not use anxiety to get clarity so we can get our tasks done? If we're gonna live like Christ, we're gonna to have, to, we're going to have to in some ways see Christ in our life, Christ living our life, so that the renovation goes into not, not our image of what our life should be, but the image of Christ formed in us. Dallas Willard said this, he said, I'm convinced that visualizing our inclusion into Christ, that you are now united with Christ, Christ is united with you. He's saying that was everything for the Apostle Paul. The illustration I get the other day is, is, is such an important one. Many people in your life, many circumstances in your life require patience, if you just try to will yourself to have patience, the best you will get is you'll just restrain 
your anger, your agitation. You'll just re- restrain your irritation. But if you, if you picture yourself in Christ, then you'll know that you're united with the patience of Christ instead of the source of the patience being your willpower. The source of the patience becomes the very love of God in Christ being formed in your heart, even for those people who don't deserve patience, who don't deserve kindness, but yet because you are in Christ and because you have received from Christ, then by faith you're patient and you're kind and you actually have a source that is not a response just to person's actions or attitudes or to circumstances, but rather you're responding in Christ because you're united, you are united to Christ. Now, why Dallas Willard is saying the Apostle Paul was always visualizing this, this union can be seen in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. This is, this is one of the most important passages about a, your received identity in Christ. Listen what it says. Do you not know? that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is really, this is important truth for renovating your heart is the impatient you has actually died, died with Christ. The unkind you, the anxious you, the angry you, the lustful you has actually died with Christ. This is why, this is why we love baptism as, 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 uh, as a, as a, you know, an outward expression of what's happened in our hearts, that we, going under baptism, you are saying, the old me has died. Um, and then you come out, of, out from under baptism, and you're saying, the new me is risen. But the new me is not just me. It's me in union with Christ. Uh, another way to illustrate this, if you, you think about, uh, I mean, one of my favorite things is coffee. I love coffee. I love good coffee. And uh, making coffee, you have the coffee, whether it's grounds or beans or whatever it might be, you have the coffee and you have water. And when you unite the two, when you unite the two, you don't say, hey, look at that coffee and water. You say, look at that coffee. The water has taken on the attributes of the coffee. And the water has united with the coffee. And now that, that drink, that drink that I love so much, is inseparable. It is united. Now, is it still coffee and water? Yeah, there's water there and there's coffee there. But... There's a union. There's a unitedness to it. When you come into Christ, you're no longer water and coffee. It's it's Jesus in you and you in Jesus, inseparably united and connected. All that is him 
is now in your new life. And all that is you, that, uh, that is the true you, is united with him in resurrected life. Now, uh, obviously, though we are experiencing this spiritual union with Christ, we're still living with the problems of our past, with that old spiritual death, that old spiritual nature that was a part of our lives. It's not eradicated. It would, it would in some ways be lovely if it was, but we are resurrected people living in an unresurrected world. And even the bodies that we, we ourselves live in still are subject to both sin and death. And so there are these negative outcomes that, that we are challenged with. Some of them are negative outcomes that come from our poor decisions. Some of them are negative outcomes that come from other people's poor decisions. But I like what Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans says. He says, there are these negative outcomes, but if you, if you want to state it simply, he said, the master key for turning around your life, for you turning away from negative outcomes in your life brought on by poor choices is a lifestyle of repentance. There is no way to renovate the heart if you're resistant to repentance. If you're unwilling to see where you must change, then you will not change. You'll actually defend the places that are creating the source for negative outcomes in your life. And repentance is is in a way easily defined. Think about this this definition of repentance with me. It's the internal resolve. In other words, it's a heart resolve and it is a will determination. It's heart resolve with will determination to turn from sin. Now one of the one of the key things that I like you to understand as we do heart renovation is that the heart will never not be needy. And the heart always seeks to meet your very real and very human needs. You will not become a person without needs. As a matter of fact, the more you are awakened to your heart, you'll realize that needs drive you. But the question often is, am I trying to meet these needs in legitimate ways or am I trying to meet these needs in illegitimate ways? Almost every choice your heart makes, I, I, I would say really everyone, but, but almost every choice anyway, is based on three basic needs. The one need is, more than anything, in many ways, more than anything else, is the need for love. But I, I call the, this foundational need is the, to be accepted. There is within us a, a, a desire, a longing, and it is a need, it's a real need, to be unconditionally accepted. And that's when we, that's when we feel most loved, is when we're not being loved because we perform, but we're being loved for who we are, even in our faults and failings. Second need is significance, that we would, that we would, that we would feel that we have worth, that we have value. This is why things like respect, appreciation are so important to us because we want to feel like we are significant. 
And then the last of the needs that all all our decisions are based around is safe. Am I safe? Am I secure? This is why things like comfort can mean so much to us. This is why teamwork, support can feel so important to us that we don't carry the whole load by ourselves. So this idea of acceptance and significance and safety, these are these foundational needs. Now, the interesting thing is if you really look at your heart really well, you want them unconditionally, but no one other than God can give those to you unconditionally. Um, In some ways, the best that humans can do in terms of producing love is kind of a, 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 a negotiation. I give you this, I make you feel this way, all this kind of stuff. Significance is usually based on your performance. What have you done for me? And then uh, security is very hard to get with other human beings because they themselves are seeking the same security. And most of us have a deficit in that area. And so when we unite our deepest needs with Christ, then we begin to realize I, I I have acceptance from Christ unconditionally because as I am in Christ, I'm accepted as Christ. I have significance because the very Son of God has said his life was worth my life. Who else is going to say their life? Someone of such significance, the the King of Heaven has said his life is worth my life. And the security, I I mean, think of the promises of God. I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Even though you die, yet shall you live, Jesus says. So the only place of unconditional need meeting is in your union with Christ, but you still have to live in a world where you want your needs met in family and marriage. You want your needs met at at work, with colleagues, school, with students or teachers, whatever it might be. And so we, we find that often because we have not had this renovation of what's the foundation of my needs being met, that we're often finding places where we're still trying to get our needs met in illegitimate ways. And so we have to begin to say, Lord, I'm willing to renovate, which means I'm willing to repent. Whatever you show me, I will will cooperate and collaborate with you. I, I have an internal resolve. I have a determination in my heart to turn from sin because sin is not satisfying to me. And and the reason we're willing to do that is not so that our hearts will be connected to God, but because our hearts are connected to God. The salvation that Jesus has brought and, and that the Holy Spirit has wrought in our hearts is he's restored our hearts to God. And because he's now dwelling there by his Spirit, then our hearts can begin to sow... Um, in a sense, so the, the, the union in such a way that that rupture that we had with him is being completely uh, brought together. Where there was enmity before, now there is unity. Where there was resistance and rebellion before, apathy, now there is, there's connection and there's love. And, and once, see, Repentance is God's way of sewing our hearts back together. Once that rupture is rejoined, then there is incredible potential then for reversing the negative consequences of the past. 
Yet none of this can occur without the personal internal resolve and determination that I'm going to acknowledge where the Spirit shows me I'm in sin. I'm going to turn away from that sin and I'm going to make a move towards God. So whenever we are seeking to repair our relationship with God through this internal resolve to deal with your sin, you have set the stage for a true U-turn of the heart. And I I like that phrase, U-turn of the heart. The renovation is actually a U-turn. And it's, it's so important that we are willing to see this, not just as we have emotional dysfunction or we have psychological needs or whatever, but to actually understand that that this is an issue of getting rid of sin. That worry, worry and anxiety are not simply, you know, negative emotions. They're they're sinful strongholds. They're emotional strongholds that that rise up against God's work in our heart. And so as we're doing this renovation, we're giving God the keys to tear down the strongholds of our heart. Now, I I thought it would be important, if your heart is going to cooperate with the renovation work of the Spirit, that you understand how He desires you to respond. Like, for example, I've, I've seen people before who make the mistake of thinking they have to atone by being sorrowful enough or, or, you know, in some ways just lamenting, lamenting, lamenting what they've done. Atonement is only in Jesus Christ. And Jesus' atonement is complete. So he gives us a way of making this U-turn or making this repentance real. And, and I'm going to give you, there are three elements of it. And these three elements are the biblical elements of renovation. So the first element is confession. 1 John 1, 9. Repentance always involves confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Greek word that's used here for confess means to say in agreement. In other words, you're, you're, not, you're not discovering, in a sense, your sins. It's being revealed to you that in the renovation of your heart, the Father, by His Spirit, is revealing areas that are sinful. And you are agreeing with Him. Um, that's why you don't have to go on a fishing ep- expedition for sin. You just need to align closely with the Spirit and with his word, and when things come up and you see this is a sin in my life, then you are, a, you are saying in agreement with the one who is revealing the sin that the sin is a sin. To confess is, is basically to say the same thing as the other person is saying. So, in other words, what is First John saying? You must say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin. That, that to confess is basically to agree with God. It's to take the responsibility. Now what he's saying here is he takes the guilt. And he takes the shame. And he cleanses you. But now it's not just the cleansing of the behavior. The behavior is not, not the only issue. The behavior is usually the symptom. His cleansing goes all the way to the root of unrighteousness. 
I heard this the other day. It kind of stuck with me. It says, if you don't get to the root, you don't get the fruit. It's kind of easy to remember. No root, no fruit. And so the idea is that we might be confessing the behavior, but the Spirit is revealing the stronghold, revealing the source. So the more specific and the more deeply you confess, the greater the cleansing. Now, the Bible also says that there is such a thing as godly sorrow. Again, this is not a atoning sorrow. Oh, I'm so sorry. And somehow by saying I'm so sorry, I'm feeling sorrowful, remorse, that that somehow atones. It's not a, the, the atonement is in Jesus. But what happens, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, verses 10 through 11, he says godly sorrow produces repentance that leaves no regret. So that, see, the difference here is that godly sorrow is very different from getting caught. There are many people who are sorry that they got caught. But Paul says that's worldly sorrow. They regret getting caught. It's not just getting upset about the consequences of your negative decisions. It's really recognizing the sorrow comes when you realize that you have broken or hurt the heart of your God. As David said in Psalm 51, against you and you alone have I sinned. See, in some ways, if I'm not, if if there's not a sense of I, I have broken the heart of the one who loves me most, if there's not a sense of that, there is no U-turn in your heart's direction. And then again, if you get at the root you're going to see fruit. So the third thing of renovation repentance is that you then start seeing fruit consistent with repentance. In, uh, in the teaching of Jesus, fruit is never invisible. You will see the change of direction from the inside out, thoughts, words, and actions. Oftentimes, in order to really see fruit, you have to be willing to confess what you're wrestling with to someone else. You need to ask for help. Um, the other thing that, I, you know, it's not easy to do sometimes, but you have to actually create boundaries and say, uh, I, I don't need to be in this place. or I don't need to be with these people. or I don't need to, you know, when I'm alone, I don't need to have this access. And so it, it, it's not a bad thing to realize. I need to, I need to order my steps in such a way uh, that I'm recognizing my weaknesses. I'm recognizing the places where my heart gets trapped and triggered. You can always take a repentance step even if you've not yet reached the repentance goal. Sometimes the heart takes time to get all the walls down. But you see, even one step of saying, I'm not going to put myself in this place or I'm not going to give access to this in my life, and you, you're putting up a boundary, even that step is a repentance step, even before the full fruit of the repentant heart is fully realized. It's uh, always been interesting to me that it doesn't say, when Paul talks about fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't say fruits. He uses a singular word, fruit of the Spirit. In other words, there's a very interesting thing that fruit, particularly grapes, 
all ripen at the same time. And so as you're taking steps to allow the the roots of the Spirit to go deep into the renovation of your heart, then the fruit all ripens at the same time. You're You're not just loving sometimes. You start being loving and peaceful, joyful, patient, kind, self-control. All those things start to ripen all at the same time. Why why should we take this so seriously? Well, I think the main reason we take it seriously is because it's the invitation of our God. He says, return to me and I will return to you. This is why we take it seriously. It's because the, the lover of our soul, the king of our heart says, return to me. Which means that it's easy for us to get off track. It's not, it's, it's not you alone that needs renovation. It's all of us. God bless you.